0: We're all trying hard to become better people. We want to become better parents, partners, and friends, but end up feeling exhausted and depleted. So how do we balance all this? I'm Ron Powell-McLean, and I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Danny Hobart, to discuss how we can do that and not get run over by our own intentions. Hi, Dan. Good morning, Pablo. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. We're smack in the middle of our our weird new normal, which I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit more, I guess, at home in the discomfort. I have
1: fortunately or unfortunately had a little bit more work to do lately, so I've been going to my office. And that makes it seem a little more normal than normal. The new normal. And It's empty and (laughs) scary. You know, there's three people instead of 20, and nobody's going to court. Nobody's, you know, madly faxing stuff for deadlines. Faxing. Yes, lawyers still do that. So, uh, you know... Uh, i've I'm injecting some old normal into my new normal. It's all a process, I suppose.
0: It is a process, and I think you know that's that's the crux of a lot of this is just you know finding the ease in what is disease. I like the ease of
1: it right that's that's a that's a wonderful part it, it, take the excitement and the emergency the immediacy sort of out of your day that
0: that is ease in some sense yeah i think when we can lessen the anxiety around not knowing then then we do find a little bit of comfort, if you will. Yeah. So I wanted to talk today about, you know, how, you know, our good intentions of trying to be better people. And we're all, I think we're all, I think we're all experiencing a bit of this now. And, you know, we're in close confines with, you know, our loved ones in a way that we have not been you know other than weekends and vacations and things like that we haven't been exposed to the same people day in and day out and i know for me i've i've had to lessen some of my attachment to having things just so i'm a bit ocd so i like to have everything in its place and a place for everything and my husband is not driven in the same way. So there's usually always something in the kitchen that has the lid off and is still sitting on a counter and I have to not react (laughs) in an unskillful way and yell at him for um, leaving something open. I just put it away and move on. But you know, it's, it's interesting to me that you know we can have a you know for for us a buddhist practice you know when we're trying to self improve and be better as we show up you know in our lives and we do that a bit selfishly as well because we want to feel better we don't want to be agitated but we get Driven off of our 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 bliss pretty easily. So you know, for me, I can you know I can meditate first thing in the morning, and I come cruising off my my seat, and everything's glittery and you know fine, and I'm just great. And then Darren comes in and plops down and hits you know hits play on. Something on his phone, and now I'm listening to, a, you know, a political debate or someone's commentary on something that's going on. And there's already news on on the, on the television, and now I've got two stimuluses, and immediately, like, I'm off the bliss. Snap! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> completely one... off the bliss. Level split second later and your fun's over and that makes me feel not so good at you know at what I'm doing you know I feel like hey I just did all that I felt really good I felt really connected I felt like you know the the world was pretty and then damn (laughs) didn't take much for me to get uh, prickly
1: the, as Yoda would say, the awareness is not strong in this one.
0: <laughs> but we think the longer we practice, you know, the longer we practice meditation and calming exercises, breathing exercises, things like that, that we'd be better at this. Well, uh, you can read enough to tell you that in,
1: in many kinds of Buddhism, many thoughts that you literally have... virtually no shot at enlightenment it will take you limitless limitless unlimited lifetimes uh to do this and it's going to involve many 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 human lives of you know perpetual suffering and so you still can't get there right uh or you can or you can subscribe to the quantity over quality uh theory and we've talked about this before, Uh, the quality of your practice uh, really, really uh, is more important than the quantity. Although, you know, I think quantity, repetition, consistency helps the quality as well. Right.
0: Absolutely. You know, yeah. And I, you know, I, I will say that, you know, I, I want to say two things. First, that, you know, the, you know, it depends on the school of uh, of Buddhism that you're looking at on whether that lifetime over lifetime yeah. enlightenment happens or whether you find it in this current lifetime, which I definitely subscribe to. I'm, you know, a Dzogchen yep. practitioner and Dzogchen is about the natural great perfection. So that's really what's already perfect right here and our simple awakened awareness of our own presence and our own state of mind and seeing things as it actually is, is the enlightenment. So I think that's spontaneously possible in any moment. There's the other side of that, that it's not everlasting. So once you find, you know, an enlightened state, It takes, um, you know, one little thing to bump you off your seat again. So we have to continually train ourselves to repractice and repractice getting back to that that point. And I often say that it's not how many times we get lost, but how many times we come back, we bring our attention back and our calmness back that matters. So we're building a new habit by doing that. As you know, one of my favorite
1: fables stories it's real or make-believe i don't know is of the old monk in olden times in tibet or india somewhere and he you know walks around from town to town uh teaching and you know being being buddha buddhist like and you know he's he's a wonderful intelligent lovable you know, charismatic person. Uh, but there's one town that he goes to every year where he gets drunk and he sleeps with somebody's wife and he passes out in the street and completely makes a fool of himself. And he gets up the next day, whenever it is, he wakes up and everybody's looking at him and laughing at him. And he just simply walks on to the next town and doesn't do that again for a year. And you know the 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 pith pithy you know moral is when you act like Buddha, you're a Buddha. And when you don't, you're not.
0: <laughs> that was actually one of the, the first things that I read when I started exploring Buddhism was the Dalai Lama saying something to that effect that you know when you're acting like a Buddhist, you are a Buddhist, and when you're not acting like a Buddhist, you're not a Buddhist. <laughs> so and you know I would say, you know, from from our perspective, you are Buddha or you're not Buddha. So, dependent on your your actions, you may need to get back on your seat.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's uh it, it it's all the same, right? Like, and I often say to people that people will say, "Oh, this you know this Danny's Buddhist," and but when I describe it, I I tell people I practice. Buddhism, because, boy, it's very much a practice, right? Right.
0: And it depends on the aspect of it. I, I often say, because I, I, I hear a lot of um, Christian or Catholic people say, well, you know, Buddhism is all right because it's not a religion. And that's not exactly correct. You know, so it's, you know, it can be a practice, it can be a philosophy, and it can be a religion. And it can be any combination of those three things too. For me it's all three. For some Mm -hmm. it may just be a practice for some it may just be a philosophy that they're reading the book um, but not practicing so but the religious aspect to me is kind of the devotional aspect that gets me to the seat you know when I can humbly sort of bow to those who have come before me and left a lamp on the path for me to guide better. So there's there's a bit of that. And sometimes I don't exactly feel like practicing. And there are, are ways and methods within, you know, a devotional aspect, which to me is a bit religious, uh, that helped me get there.
1: Yeah. There's no doubt that Buddhism with the capital B uh, has, you know, we don't have a Vatican city or a, you know, cathedrals and the Sistine Chapel. Uh, There's not a head of the, there there is sort of a head of the religion generally, but.
0: Well, some schools though, not all. Right,
1: right. And that's
0: the thing like. head for each school and. Right. It's confusing because it's not all the Dalai Lama, but. No. You know, he's. An awesome figure, so is the Karmapa, so, and the Galwing Trupa, and, you know, depending on what your focus mm-hmm. is, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh in the, you know, in the Zen tradition, there's, you know, so many.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's so much in so many directions and so many branches, and there are with all the other religions too, of course. We're not centralized, and so I, I think that's where people come up with uh, it's not a religion. Also, right. very important to the concept of religion, though, is worship, and I think that's an interesting distinction to make for folks, especially if they're not familiar. You know, Buddhists, I, you, we don't we don't uh, worship a person as a as a deity. Uh, we don't we don't pray in the traditional sense to some mythical or real historical figure. We don't pray to Buddha for him to save us or change us or somehow,
0: you know, save our lives. What I want to add to that though, because in a way we do, um, What the difference is, though, is the duality. So, when we think of uh, Buddha, we don't, or any of the deities, any of the bodhisattvas, so Vajrasattva or Chenrezig or Tara, these you know deities that are sort of um, you know have a specific job, um, compassion or mercy or health or whatever it may be, that when we do pray to these idols, if you will, or deities, if you will, or the Buddha, it's meant to be inside of us. So all of these facets and all of these, these attributes are part of our own being. So we're not praying to something outside of ourselves. So when we're, when we're chanting to the Buddha, it's about awakening, awakening our own Buddha waking him up waking her up and saying hey save me <laughs> you know support me be here with me be present with me so when i can be present with my own buddhist attributes then that's when i am awakening the buddha within as lama Suryadas says yeah well
1: this is why you're my teacher even even in my mind when I can understand and have attended many, many services and sessions for Christianity and for Buddhist practice, you know, I still have these sort of preconceived notions or trained notions or whatever they are of the sort of simple differences. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, I wonder you know it, so so is it the same then? What about the taking away of sin? right? That's a, that's, that certainly is a big concept in Christianity, and I, I don't mean to completely get off the road on this, but uh, you know you, 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 when, you, when you pray to God or Jesus to to save you and protect you, you also it's a concept that he takes away your sin right so that's not in buddhism
0: in that same way right right so you have to you know in in that aspect you have to consider what is sin so we don't really have yeah. uh like a 10 commandments that say this is the dividing line between right and wrong and bad right and yeah. wrong um you know, we, we use examples like, um, you know, picturing um, a person who has stabbed another person with a knife and that person dies from that stab. And just with that information, we can think, yeah, that's a bad dude we should punish him, we should, that's a sin. But if we take the step back and consider that that person is a doctor and that knife was a scalpel and the effort was not successful, but the intention was pure, we then see that it's not a sin per se. So we have to, you know, we have to take a little bit of a, you know, a, a gentler approach and understand the entirety and the complexity of what each situation brings. So there are certainly misdeeds and there are certainly things that are of malintent and those are not, those are not acceptable and it's not that we should condone them, but we can also see them for what they are. So we can see that the person that committed that Misdeed is acting unskillfully because of their unconscious behavior, their unconscious response to things like fear. You know, yeah. We talked about it, um, you know, on a previous podcast that, you know, f- you know, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to rage, rage leads to violence. I
1: thought I was going to get you all the way to Yoda, but that's all, <laughs> like That's all right. You well, like of him. course, uh, it, the, the Dharma of Star Wars, right?
0: Right. <clears throat> but that, you know, that does kind of lead us back to our, you know, our discussion about sort of having our good intentions, but sometimes failing. And I know oftentimes we are trying so hard to be good and please others and be a good steward and a good citizen that we even exhaust ourselves that we feel like we have no more to give and you know for me i i self-label as a an outgoing introvert i you know i enjoy the interaction with people but i also get exhausted by the interaction with people or in crowds or um, the doing aspect so there's that sort of introvert de- depletion that i experience as well and when we when we have that moment that we have tried and tried and tried and now we're exhausted and we sort of have nothing left to give then our inner critic starts pinging at us and calling us a failure we we completely failed in our attempts to be better and to be good and to benefit others and we say we all, all of us say i'm my own worst critic but the thing is that it's so much worse than we admit we are downright cruel to ourselves yeah oh yeah this is you know and and this in lies you know a a huge issue you know we talked um, yesterday about suffering and what suffering really means you know we've we talk about the four noble truths that there is suffering that there is a cause for that suffering the third is that there's a remedy for that suffering and the fourth is that the remedy is understanding combined with compassionate action through the path of the eightfold path so there's you know there's some work to be done here so in understanding from the, you know, from the the teaching of the Four Noble Truths, this is our path for flipping the script every time, our awareness of the problem. So if we are depleted at our core and we're kind of cruel to ourselves about that depletion and we're continually whipping ourselves, we're continually chiding ourselves for not being enough, not being enough, then there's an underlying problem. So we'll put that on the on the the plate here to be eaten. That that is our suffering for the moment. This is our this is our suffering that we are conquering. So what is the cause for that suffering? Do you have an idea what that might be?
1: Well, for me it's expectation
0: okay
1: so you know when you have in your head <clears throat> you know um, what, uh, i've I'm a lawyer and I go to court and I've had jury trials, and so you get in your head that a good trial lawyer never loses, and there are and always will be lawyers that claim they've never lost. Some of them haven't ever lost because they've never tried a case. Some of them lie because if you try cases, you'll lose. And there's probably some that have tried a few cases and have never lost, but it's, it's a very, this is a rare bird. And so, but, but when you're young, when I was young and you know, I'm outgoing and think I'm all that, and I get a big ego, and it's covering up all my insecurity, and, you know, I I think I'm going to walk in and to trample all over, you know, reality by making up this expectation that I'm so good, and I'm so smart, and I've had so much training at an early age, and I'm just ready to go, and nobody's going to never expect this and you know (laughs) you're lucky if you could get a singular moment that lives up to anything even in the neighborhood of your expectation and boy i gotta tell you the the fall from that uh is only you know cushioned by bottles and bottles of jack daniels like (laughs) there's no easy way to live with that i tell you because the, the, the one thing that you will never live up to is uh your, your own expectations well dan
0: what do i say about expectations yeah disappointment they're they're the <laughs> they breed disappointment yeah and not yeah it's the best have, way not that we shouldn't have great intentions you know and you know Maybe I'll I'll just give you that little you know that little nugget to change your change your expectation that instead of always winning you're always trying you're always well, showing up.
1: Yeah, and it's it, well, it has changed. Um, of course, it has. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, that's not it's not even a a, a a the the goal of always winning or always doing anything is is does not have value for me anymore, that proposition. Uh, the the proposition that has value for me now is to act wisely and with intent to be aware and, uh, you know, honest. Uh, these These act in a way, act like Buddha as much as possible. And, you know, you can't let yourself down. I tell you, uh, from 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 many uh, decades of expectations and failing them you know there's no better way to punish yourself <clears throat> and which equates to not being compassionate toward yourself than than to have expectations uh, like like i used to and like so many people have and struggle with uh you know I I would if I could snap my fingers and take that away for every from everybody, I absolutely would. Right.
0: So we understand there's a problem. We understand that we're we're hard on ourselves and we're depleted. And yeah. Part of the cause for that is that we have unrealistic expectations. So then in you know, in the course that there's a remedy There is a remedy, and that remedy is understanding combined with compassionate action. So when we see that we're depleted and we're being cruel to ourselves, we need to take a little step back, and we need to flip the script. And part of the flipping of the script is one of the, excuse me, one of the hardest things <clears throat> that I have to convey to, to anyone who shows up for a Sunday service or, or, is, or is struggling in this way is that we have to first learn to serve ourselves. And it's completely opposite the way, than what we've been taught growing up is that we have to be in service to others but what they don't tell you is that if you don't have any food in your pantry, you can't cook for anyone else. So you have to build the stores. You have to build the, the compassionate kitchen for you to be able to serve others. So I know I'm using some, you know, <laughs> some metaphors here, but if I'm depleted and I have nothing to give, then the expectation that i should be giving is completely unrealistic so how we do that though is is through an introspection and understanding that i first need to learn to be compassionate and kind to myself and that's that's hard folks it's hard to to flip that script and catch ourselves you know we do a lot of catch and release in our backyard buddhism here you know we catch ourselves in that moment that we're being nasty to ourselves it's body speech and mind so the way i'm acting with my body the what's coming out of my mouth and what's you know at the root of most of that is our mind and what we're thinking so we catch ourselves in that cruel thought that unkind thought toward ourselves oh you always do this you sad sack of shit you're a loser you cannot get this you're just not a good person you are not enough whatever that that line is we're all saying it we're all terribly cruel to ourselves so we catch ourselves and not as another point for us to be Nasty to ourselves. Oh, there you go again. You're being cruel to yourself. <laughs> it's not that. We need to flip it. And with compassionate action, we can start to figure out how to be kind to ourselves. How can I support me so that I feel whole? I feel enough. And that, you know, that's individual for each one of us part of mine is just showing up for my practice and taking that breath when I, when I find myself on the edge of that irritation and impatience and where I'm a little short with my husband because we're, you know, in, in the close confines of our home and you're in Corona, you're in Corona jail together. And he left the coffee on the counter again with the, the lid open. And if I say something, Hey, you left the coffee up. No, that wasn't me. <laughs> of course it wasn't. Yeah. So when I catch myself in that moment, I can then be, you know, soften it, just soften, soften, and see, okay, that's my agitation. It's my agitation. It doesn't make him a terrible person for leaving the coffee out. I'm not a terrible, terrible person because I don't really like the coffee to be sitting open for any, you know, critter to crawl into or, or hair to land in. Uh, it's, but it's mine to sort of repair and move on, repair and move on and show up,
1: you know, you go into a relationship with the significant other and in the early days you are, you you know, you, you would, people, doesn't even matter how old you are, you, you would do anything to get like some sweet playful text from that person or get a little voicemail or get a surprise call or they leave a note for you. And you're just like, I would do anything for this person. I would, I would run through 32 brick walls and, and, bust my head open and go to the hospital and i don't care because i i just am so excited and in love which later morphs into why is it coffee sitting out again (laughs) right like 10 years later you're like who did i marry (laughs) 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 who are you yeah exactly what was i thinking this is (laughs) it what what have i done to myself you know this terrible monster (laughs) I'm it's not true. making fun of you either. I'm, I, you know, it's not poking fun at all. It's, uh, oh, it's reality. Of I'm
0: totally there with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's a, you know, there's a, a Buddhist practice that's, you know, common within many of the schools called called metta, and you know, metta is loving kindness. It's giving. It's feeling loving kindness for Mm -hmm. all beings everywhere. So it starts with seeing yourself and picturing yourself and paying attention to yourself and wishing yourself that wishing for yourself that you will be happy and healthy and peaceful. And then we do it for a good friend or someone close to us. Then you do it for a neutral person, maybe the bank teller. Then you do it for a difficult person, someone that kind of irritates or agitates you, which feels like the hardest one. And then you do it for all, and then you do it for all beings everywhere. So there's a, a progression of this in, in sort of sending it out. But the thing that we skip most often is the very first one in learning that we have to give that compassion, that loving kindness to ourselves first it's really just, you know, it's, it's just words when we're, when we're sending it out to other people and just getting through it and tolerating it when it gets to the person that we don't really like or irritates us. And when you really cultivate it within yourself, when you really learn to be kind and compassionate and loving towards yourself... You, it's, there's no effort involved with sharing it with others. There's no effort involved with seeing the person that agitates you as just a person who is agitated themselves. When we can see that in ourselves, we see it in others, and it's so much easier. We're not giving a pass, but we can see what the entirety of the, the, the problem is and what's causing the problem. And we can be compassionate towards that because we're all experiencing the same thing. In the, in the refuge
1: prayer that we do in our practice, one of the, one of the things that we take refuge in or pledge to be or commit to is, uh, in some sense is being generous or generosity. And, in my life, being generous was always if you can help somebody, help them. You know I was in Boy Scouts and and do a good turn daily that's a that's a, a motto of the Boy Scouts and so you know you pick up trash or you carry somebody's groceries or you donate money at Salvation Army at Christmas or you know there's there's eight million ways that you can give time effort, money, resources, to another person. What I have learned, though, is the concept of generosity uh, is different than that in Buddhism, and my perspective on it has changed significantly, and it encapsulates exactly what you just described, Again, an an aha moment for me, and I heard a wonderful little talk on generosity and how generosity starts at home. It starts with you, and being generous with yourself, again, as you would with all living beings, you're a living being, and you have to start at home, so be generous with yourself, be kind with yourself, love yourself this this is not a you know it's not a it's not the western like you're selfish if you think of yourself first you have to be generous with yourself until you are you will not be generous with other people you will not be able to be this this big broad compassionate uh being that then has real true compassion for other living beings, other people right. so it 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 is completely counterintuitive it was to me that being generous means you start with yourself
0: because you have nothing to give unless you're you know unless your pantry is filled you can't give away anything you know unless your wallet's filled you can't give away anything unless you have Unless you have something to give, you don't have anything to give anyone else. And, you know, from a generosity standpoint, you know, we say altruistically generous, which means it's non-transactional. So it doesn't mean that I'm expecting something in return. Of course, we get things in return. We feel good when we're good to other people. And that's okay to feel. But if if it's our underlying intention, then we're kind of off the mark so that, you know, it makes it sort of transactionally generous rather than altruistically generous. And if we can point that within first and be altruistically generous with ourselves, I don't expect anything back from just supporting myself and really getting in touch. Like I've, I feel like I am in a constant conversation with myself now so even understanding that you know it may just be eight o'clock in the evening but boy I'm tired like I don't have to wait till 10 or 10:30 to go to bed to support myself that I can say I think I need more sleep so I can make that that assessment and not an unconscious reaction or response just, take care of what needs to be taken care of when we are thirsty should we sit and contemplate ah what is thirst ah <laughs> if, I, if I drink right. taking from others when you're thirsty and you're honestly thirsty take a drink yeah. quench the thirst right. support support the need yeah. So hearing and understanding what we are going through is really the first step in understanding and being and having compassionate action that results.
1: Yeah, it's it's okay to in very plain language, it's okay <clears throat> to provide for yourself. And it's okay to do that first.
0: It's okay. It's essential. It's absolutely yeah. essential. And you know, I don't think we should feel guilty about that. You know, we're Buddhists. Right. We don't have we don't have guilt? All the Catholics and all the Jewish people control the guilt.
1: <laughs> well, I'm gonna let you know a little secret. I know a lot of people that practice Buddhism that have guilt too. I know. Well, why? Why though? <sighs> because that's how you are brought up. That's because how it's a habit. It's a bad it's a, habit. It's, it's a condition. It's a condition. It's, yeah. Yes. It's, it's part of the, the retraining that we're, you and I and many others are in the process of. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's the introspection with intent of wise understanding that we're looking for. It's the you know, really looking within what do I need to yeah. support myself in a way that I am then supporting others. So when I can find calm abiding, I can find patience and peace within myself, it's easier for me to give to my friends and family, my spouse, my job, my co-workers, into all other beings, even the ones that irritate us. And sometimes that's, you know, the, the love in that is walking away from the television set that's perpetuating the irritation. You know,
1: I think for folks out there, a good, a good way to look at this and a good way to sort of catch yourself is to think about some of these things, even some of the things you may be doing that you don't think are transactional. If you are uh, doing a, a nice and lovely thing for someone and you walk away from it in an unhappy state, there's a good chance you did it expecting something in return, whether it's a pat on the back or a you know a good nickel or something uh it's a good I, I speak from experience uh personally and professionally and you know that's what i used to catch myself uh, i do it far less than i used to but these habits are hard and keep an eye on that you know when you when you roam around the world keep an eye on your unhappiness after doing a good deed if you did if you are there's a chance that maybe the deed wasn't so good or you were expecting
0: a different result i think that's i think that's the answer right there is that you're expecting a result specifically rather than just doing the deed to do the deed with good intention yeah yeah it's important to it's yeah. important to see and i think that we can really take a a productive glance at how we're interacting with the world and be patient with ourselves when we discover that we yeah i did expect to be noticed for my good deed or get my pat on the back or maybe i expected to feel good and i didn't really Maybe I felt like I was supposed to do more in that moment. So be patient with yourself. Uh The struggle is to be better humans in our daily experience. And we get knocked off track with seemingly every irritation and conflict by changing our perspective to first supporting ourselves through the tools of compassionate understanding and patience affords us and allows us the strength of wisdom to interact with others in a way that is peaceful and understanding. When we can learn to be kind and compassionate, patient and nurturing toward ourselves, we then project that towards others without any effort. So you know the old adage that we have to put our own mask our own oxygen mask on before we help others. That's completely the case here. Thank you, Paolo.
1: And remember, for everybody out there, meditate as fast
0: as you can. And thanks to all of our listeners who are tuning in and taking part in our discussions. Find us on Facebook and shoot us your questions and we'll be happy to endeavor to answer them here. Have a great day and meditate as fast as you can.